Hello and welcome to the Tabletop Roleplaying Games Freelancer Mentorship Podcast, or the TTRPG Freelancer Mentorship um, Podcast. Um, I am Crystal Mazer, I am the host, and the goal of our podcast series uh, is to help people who are interested in freelancing, who might be curious about how freelancing works, or who are struggling to jump into freelancing or with a certain part of freelancing to get connected with other writers, new writers, and listen to some of the most prolific game designers and writers within the industry kind of give advice and some of the uh, talk about some of the experiences that we've had. If you haven't listened to our first episode, which was getting started in freelancing, please go back and listen to that. There is also a live recording from Gen Con that you can listen to that kind of jumps off of that too as well. And this episode is our freelancer pay and negotiations, which has been a kind of a hot topic lately. And so I have three guests with me today. I have Jessica Markram. Oh, hi. <laughs> Sorry, I forgot <laughs> I was supposed to say hello after my name. I'm good. Thanks for having me. That's okay. I have Aloyla Santa. That's me. <laughs> and I have James Nedham. Hello. All right. And we are very excited to get started with our episode. So I briefly mentioned Gen Con in our introduction, uh, but uh, three of us were at Gen Con this year. And I know, Aloy, usually you go, you have didn't this year. <laughs> Unfortunately, you were very missed. Uh, you know, travel is, is very hard, and... Yeah, I do have Gen Con news, so I, I have something Ooh. to contribute to the conversation, at least. Ooh, you have Gen Con news. Yes, but I won't go first. Okay. okay. Who would like to go first? It's your show. Oh, okay. Oh, come on. Um, <laughs> oh, fine. Okay, so... Uh, my Gen Con was really good. I hosted three different panels. The TTRPG Freelancer panel. I hosted a horror and gaming panel with a whole bunch of people from Chaosium as well as Hunter's Entertainment. And um, I also hosted, we hosted a live recording for Darker Days Radio. Uh, and I got to hang out with a bunch of people. I had the freelancer meetup, which was really, really awesome. We even had somebody phoning in from Canada, um, which was kind of cool. That meetup was amazing, and I'm so grateful to you for having it. <laughs> Thank you. So I'm really glad you, you were able to come. I'm really grateful that it was not a super spreader event. Thank you for encouraging masks. Yeah, that, that was important to me because, yeah. Uh, Jess, did you want to go next? Sure. Uh, my Gen Con was very busy. It was really fun, though. I was on two panels. I moderated one and was on the other. One was uh, about uncaged goddesses and basically writing and running tier four adventures as well. And the other was with Three Flings, the uh, Twitch show that I've been producing for almost three years, co-producing and DMing. And we were uh, partnering with Utopia 
another Twitch channel to talk about one shots and how to use those. Uh, but the really exciting news is that Uncaged Goddesses, which I was writing director for, won two Ennies. We got the Silver Ennie for Best Cover and the Gold Ennie for Best Adventure. So that was really Ooh, super exciting. <laughs> that was that was awesome to see. Um, I was very, very glad to have been there to be able to see everyone accept the, their awards for, for the Ennies this year. So congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, when they announced uh, the silver winner, I was like, oh, well, we didn't get gold. And I like picked up my beer and then they said our name and I like, almost fell out of my chair. So if you were watching it live or watch the video, that's why there's such a ruckus going on in our row as we head up to the stage. That is amazing. So, James, how was your Gen Con? Uh, it was extremely productive. So I uh, went mostly in a professional capacity. Uh, and by that, I mean checking out new product, trying to get into game demos of product I'd never played before, and then finding new clients uh, for, excuse me, new game manufacturers uh, that wanted to get into retail. So your Gen Con experience is actually fairly different because you have a different side of the role-playing industry. Tell us just a brief about that and then you can plug stuff later. So so I work uh, currently work at Noble Knight Games in Fitchburg, Wisconsin. I've been there uh, since November of 2019. Before that, I worked for Pegasus Games in Madison, Wisconsin for 13 years. So I come from the retailer end of the tabletop industry. Uh, I get your stuff into the hands of the end users. So, and you're, you're joining us today as kind of a, a newbie to the freelancing side because you and I have had a lot of conversations about it. And so I thought it'd be kind of awesome to bring you on and, you know, pick our brains about things. So, all right. And then, Aloy, what's your announcement? What's your Gen Con stuff? Oh, uh, well, I mean, I mean, you know. I always have something to announce. No, the, the cool thing, and one of the reasons that I couldn't go to Gen Con, uh, besides uh, family stuff going on, uh, but also I spent a lot of time working uh, on a kind of, it was a secret project at the time, or maybe not secret, but kind of, uh, you know, less publicized. But uh, this year was the first year that uh, Central Michigan University and Gen Con actually put together um, a gaming program through Central Michigan University. And I got to teach the pilot program, uh, come up with a syllabus, everything, uh, in order to actually kickstart this whole thing and really get it going. And that was, of course, the soft launch. And at Gen Con was where they announced the whole thing and that, you know, I'll be teaching again and they're having two other teachers come in. Uh, so it's actually like a huge deal. Uh, the name of my, wow. my class is the art of game crafting where I'm actually teaching people how in one of my dreams forever. Uh, so that was announced at Gen Con, which is why that's my Gen Con news. That's fantastic, Aloy. Even I didn't know about that. That's great. <laughs> I was I was sworn to like pseudo secrecy, but now I'm 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 allowed to shout it to the rooftops. I'm, I'm very excited about it. Oh, now I can't wait to like look at your uh, your uh, curriculum pathways and stuff like that. Now I'm gonna go be a nerd after this. 
If you have a link to like the the program or anything like that, please please let me know, and I will put that in the show notes and share that everywhere because that's awesome. Yes, yes, I definitely have that. I'll I'll share that with you. Perfect. All right, so I like to kind of um, give uh, or have everybody do a brief introduction to. Um, freelancing, like how they got into it or why they got into it, and just to kind of give everyone a feel for how we all approach it because there are so many different avenues to getting into freelancing. And so I wanted to, to kind of showcase with everybody just how extensive it can be and the different pathways. So for instance, I started doing workshops for teachers on using role-playing games and card games and board games as well as comic books in their classrooms as teaching materials and a friend of mine <laughs> asked me if I would ever be interested in writing he'd been trying to get me to do like reviews and stuff like that for games for many 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 years and then finally said hey you have until I think it was the end of September to write a scenario and for um, uh, First Fables, which is a open license gaming or game um, that is still up on drive through. And it was supposed to be for Halloween. And <laughs> I wrote the scenario and it went off and he got art for it. There is layout. And in fact, Aloy was my layout person, right? Yep, that's how we met. Yeah, that, that's exactly what happened was that we finally were able to connect after that. And you told me that you had a project coming up and if I would be interested in writing in it. And it ended up being the PIP system. So, <laughs> and, and that's kind of how I got into freelance writing. Uh, let's see. Aloy, why don't you tell us about yours? Oh, gosh. Uh, my my experience with freelancing was pretty organic. Uh, it basically was that I was already writing free stuff and putting it online, uh, and people seemed to be responding pretty well to it. So I said, hey, maybe I should try and get paid for this. Uh, so I looked for open calls and uh, found a couple of different projects. I ended up working on uh, co-writing a book called Kid World, uh, for Vajra Enterprises, which uh, was really fun and really deep. Uh, I also wrote for Witch Hunter, The Invisible World. Uh, you know, I was very proud of <laughs> the writing I did for that. But, you know, the game itself was, you know, it is what it is. Um, but those experiences essentially uh, taught me that I already kind of had all the tools to just make my own games. So then that's when I started uh, publishing my own stuff. And of course, the, the thing about freelancing is that if you're already writing your own stuff, it's super easy to get a freelance job a lot of the time. Yeah, I, yep, I've, I know a lot of people who have gotten in through stuff like that or through community content, so... Exactly. I mean, if you already have something that's out there and people like it, um, you know, then it's just easy just to be like, oh, you need a writing sample? Where well, here, here's this thing. Oh, it's got five stars on, you know, drive through. Oh, that's really interesting. You know, it's like it's already it already breaks the ice as opposed to 
um, somebody who's really starting off new and is just like really like trying to get somebody to give them a chance. Uh, that's a completely different story than, you know, years after you've released your own stuff and you've been writing for a while. It's, you know, it's that sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, Jess, how about your story? I got started, uh, kind of by accident. Um, (laughs) I, one of my friends told me about Ashley Warren's call for writers for the original Uncaged project. And, uh, I'd never written for any game before. And my friend was like, well, you know a lot about mythology and you're a good GM, so pitch for it. And I got accepted. Uncaged was a runaway hit on DMs Guild. And I don't know if it started the whole anthology trend, but it definitely encouraged it. And then I uh, started getting hired for uh, other projects, like uh, some things with Onyx Path, uh, a couple other anthology things. And then I just started being more involved in the industry. And like, after I had a lot of writing under my belt, um, as a teacher in the storytelling collective, formerly called the RPG Writers Workshop, and uh, I was a moderator for the DMs Guild Facebook group that is now defunct. But when it closed, I had several people reach out to connect and say like, hey, let's stay in touch. If you want to pitch for company, please do. And uh, started getting gigs that way. And now I've written for Cubicle 7 and Onyx Path and MCDM and uh, Hit Point Press. And so that's, that's kind of what I do. <laughs> that's a, that is a, definitely a very, very cool way to do it because being involved in the community helps connect you to so many people. Yeah. And people, I, I know it's kind of a, a meme to refer to like Twitter as a hell site or Twitch as a hell site, but I have made so many connections and friends through that. And I, I, I don't know. It can be really terrible sometimes, but also that's how you meet people that you want to collaborate with. And then you meet people you want to hire and you meet people that want to hire you. And for me, at least, that's how I've gotten a lot of work. Yeah, the internet is a lot of sifting through trash people to find the cool ones. I, I hope that's the understatement of the podcast. Yeah, it's really disappointing when someone you think is a cool one ends up not being one. But that's well, that's a whole, yeah, that's a whole other story. Yeah, <laughs> I'm following all of you now, so hopefully it's none of you. <laughs> Unless I have like some strange turn of personality here, it, it, I know, right? it would be odd. But... It would be odd. I would hope that like someone would be like, "Hey, are you okay?" <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, and James, tell us a little bit about like your like, because I know you haven't written for anything specifically yet, but maybe stuff that you are interested in or even like how you got into your position, like your job. Uh, well, I'm now feeling very old because I did do community content way back in the early 2000s so before there was any drive-through rpg or anything of that sort um i did some community uh content in college both for 
White Wolf, when they had their uh, moderated, sanctioned online chat programs, and for one uh, popular fan server on Neverwinter Nights, and uh, and Back you know, in the they day. would yes, and when they would let you know they uh, worked with GameSpy to let people uh, host their own servers. So I I contributed some written content to a server that had a, a lot of people and was really cool. And then as what happens with a lot of things uh, flamed out spectacularly. Uh, and that was before I got involved in the industry professionally, I stumbled backwards into my job. I needed a part-time gig. I thought, well, Pegasus games, this seems like a great spot to work. It's a game store that was around when I was a kid actually started in 1980. And yeah, I'll, I'll stick around through college. Then I went full-time. And I started helping manage the store, and now I work at a store that's got the largest selection of games in the world. So it, it kind of accidentally happened. Uh, yeah, you have that community piece, too. It's very interesting, like, just how connected the community can actually be, even if it's we're distant. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of weird not having done it for, you know, 15 years, how now the the networking site is Twitch and Twitter and whatnot. And when I was doing it, it was, there was no central repository that I knew of. It was just, who do you game with online? And who do you chat with on AOL Instant Messenger? I mean, a lot of my first hires were my friends, you know, so like, that's kind of how it works. You know, you work with who you got around you until you meet more I yeah, I, I'm doing kind of the similar with the podcast because I'm reaching out to friends to kind of get it going and to start conversations and stuff like that um, and hopefully branching out from there. So, all right. So let's start getting into the bulk of this conversation here. Um, and the, the this is like a really, really heavy conversation because nobody likes to talk about pay. And it has become somewhat stigmatized over the years. It's starting to slowly not get that way, especially now um, with unions and unionizing and uh, demands for better pay, um, which are absolutely legitimate <laughs> um, in, in many of the different industries. So there are some different types of pay within this industry overall. Um, and that is the per word, the flat rate or bulk pay, um, and then royalties. So let's kind of just like, let's have a conversation around like, is there something that you prefer um, or is there something that you feel is more fair or is there something that you sh like completely stay away from if, it, if it, like, it's like a red flag for you? Because everyone's kind of different on this. I'll jump in because, yeah. you know, I, I'm full of opinions. Um, the, you know, my, I, what I will say is my first, my first game that I ever wrote for was less than a cent per word plus royalties. And the problem with any kind of royalty, anything in the gaming sphere here that we have here, unless you're dealing with one of those, you know, big old giant companies, is that we're all very bad. We make great games, but you know, business is not necessarily what we're in business to do. We're in we're in it to make games, but 
you know, people don't like accounting. Uh, so like I've waited a year, maybe I think I, I think the longest time it took for me to get paid was like a year and a half to get paid. Uh, what royalties implies is that that person is going to keep track of that for time in memoriam and keep cutting you a check. And this is just, you know, a, a sole proprietor in their garage writing stuff, you know? So it's like it, royalties, no thank you. Uh, <laughs> you know, per word is good. I don't mind um, flat rates, you know, if they're like, hey, and I do a lot of flat rate stuff when I do like mechanics consulting or when I'm doing that stuff. Usually if I'm doing a lot of writing, like, like thousands of words, then sometimes I might just do like, hey, let's make this a per word thing. But if it's more development work and more kind of conceptual stuff, um, then I definitely will. I'm okay with a flat rate because it's hard to put a per word on mechanics design because you might spend, you know, 10 times the amount of time coming up with really good mechanics than it does take to actually write them. Uh, so I, I I feel like each of them has its own kind of application. Uh, royalties is not necessarily one that I'm interested in. Like, unless it's like I own the IP or something, then like, sure, you know, give me a cut of whatever you sell. Uh, but yeah, it's otherwise, no, I'm good. Uh, per word or, or flat rate for me. I have as well have a lot of opinions about this. Um, <laughs> uh it really depends on what you're doing. Um, I know some people prefer flat rate. And I, when I do sensitivity reading, I tend to do an hourly rate, which I, I know some people hate uh, because if you do something really quickly, you're getting paid less, right? But also paying per word for um, like, editing or sensitivity reading can get really unwieldy. So for that, I tend to offer uh, per word while pushing more for hourly because it, unless it's a massive project, it usually doesn't take that long for me to do a sensitivity read. And my hourly rate is just kind of an estimate of about what the per word would be. In terms of a per word rate, I, I, tend to think it's hilarious when I see postings that say they either do pay industry standard or they can't pay industry standard because there is no such thing as industry standard. Um, industry standard is anywhere from three cents a word to 25 cents a word. And there's a lot of range in there. So my question to those people is like, which industry standards are, are, do you refer to? I will speak up in favor of royalties, but say that, uh, you know, you're never getting paid as much from them. You usually get them when they are specifically collaborations, usually on, you see them a lot with DMs Guild stuff and occasionally for other community created content stuff like, Scarred Lands has the Slurration Vault. Um, uh, I'm blanking on what Pathfinders is right now. I think it's just the Pathfinder community content. Uh, but you know what I mean, the community content things. Uh, OBS offers a really cool way to do revenue share on those that I wish Itch would do because right now it's pretty much impossible to do shared revenue on one project on Itch, which sucks. 
that said, because those are all community content programs, you're giving a big cut of your pay to whoever owns the IP. So for DMs Guild, 50% of it is going to Wizards and to OBS. Uh, I think 30% to Wizards and 20% to OBS. I'm not, it might be switched. But then, you know, for Uncaged Goddesses, for example, we had, I think, 70, maybe 72 uh, contributors. So out of that 50%, it's divided up 70 or 72 ways. <laughs> uh, so, oh, wow. Yeah, it's a big seller, but we're not getting a ton of money per sale on those books. So, you know... Uh, I tend to think of the those as like, you're doing this because you want to do it. It's a labor of love. You want to make something cool with your friends. You're not doing that to make a ton of money. Um, I have done some projects where I got paid per word. And then they said like after X months, then you can sell this on your own and get royalties off of it. But that is extremely rare. Most people, if they're paying you per word, they they own the words that you gave them. <laughs> Yeah, my whole thing, if the, I mean, if you want to throw royalties on top of something, you know, like as an icing, like if you're going to give me per word and royalties, sure, you know, <laughs> I just definitely I'm, I'm not a big royalties just in and of itself. And community content is a weird thing because, you know, part of my thing with royalties is infrastructure. And since community content does go through drive through and OBS and all that stuff, it means that there's a built-in infrastructure there. You're going to, even if it's a small amount, you're going to get paid. It's harder to do that except royalties from an individual publisher. And, you know, if they use drive through to do that, then it becomes easier for them. Uh, but I've just worked with too many people who let stuff like that fall off. Oh, I can absolutely see that. It is... It's extra nice having a publisher account with drive through because they just cut you a check every month. If you just nope. have a contributor account, it just goes in there and you're only allowed to touch your money after a certain point of time. They might have changed this might by now. This might be outdated information. But when I just had a contributor account, it was like, so here's how much money you have in your account and here's how much you can actually access right now. And then there's a fee to access it. Whereas as soon as you get approved to have a publisher account, they're just like, well, it's the first of the month. Here's all your money right into PayPal. Yeah, I think with um, uh, drive through, it is you can use it as system credit immediately um, or it's 30 days, I want to say. They might have shortened it down to 20. Yeah, I remember they shortened it during COVID, but I don't know if that was like a permanent shortening or uh, or uh, yeah. just a COVID relief thing. I mean, I, I've never even heard about the differences in, of the different, you know, uh, accounts because like I literally didn't even have a drive through account until I was already a publisher. Uh, so <laughs> I've never even used a regular account. Um, I have, like, I use my account for all of the royalties that I have for community content and everything like that. Um, and I, I generally just make, like, enough money to be able to buy the books of the friends <laughs> that, that have published stuff. <laughs> so I, 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 I have, you know, that stuff like that just to pay so I can pay other people. And buy their books. 
living the dream. I know, right? (laughs) I mean, that's kind of the freelancer joke, right? That we're all passing around the same 20 bucks to each other. Kind of true. Kind of true. Yeah, with Goddesses, it was so funny, though, because we got so many submissions for really talented people, and we kept reaching out to a lot of them, like, so you know this is royalty share, right? Like, we don't actually have money for you. And most of them were like, yeah, this will just be a fun thing to do. Or it was, you know, how Uncaged was for me, their first thing, like their first TTRPG they'd written. Um, But yeah, Yeah. we wanted to be very clear that like, we we can't pay you. (laughs) We hope to eventually pay people in future projects. But this Uncaged has always been royalty share. And that's how most things on DMs Guild go. Now, of course, like it's been a while since I've looked for writing gigs uh james as somebody who's actually like new to the freelance game and you're like out there looking for gigs what are you seeing offered right now um cool thanks for throwing the ball that way i'm actually not looking at gigs actively but part of my impetus was uh to uh accept crystal's invitation was you know a who knows in the future maybe i will have my act together that i can actually put to paper uh, every idea I've got bouncing around my head, but also because people come to me and ask me, how do I get involved with this? And I never want to give anyone bad advice. So if I could steer a little bit, um, for, for those of you who are doing it, uh, itch was mentioned, drive through RPG was mentioned, wizards guild was mentioned. Explain to me, please, if you would not mind, what are the options and differences between these platforms? Uh, that I think that'd be very cool to be, uh, uh, something to know. Oh, I'm so, I was say I haven't worked too much with Itch, um, so I actually don't know much about it. So Itch is primarily for video games, although in recent years it has come up a lot for TTRPGs, primarily independent TTRPGs. There's a lot of fun game jams that are always going on on Itch. I know every year is the Rainbow Jam, which is when you'll get a lot of fun queer games. A lot of my weird and wacky games came out as a result of itch game jams. There's one right now going on called Medieval But Queer. Thirsty Sword Lesbians, I believe, started on itch. I don't know if it was part of a jam, but uh, that's there. The Wretched was initially there, and those are... It's kind of an indie haven. The problem is that it really makes like if it's as hard as it is to find things on drive through rpg it is exponentially harder to find them on itch their navigation is really not creator or consumer friendly and uh that is the main problem with them but they're a great place and they take a significantly less substantial cut than obs but itch.io is that's more just it's like a place to sell stuff. It's not necessarily a place to connect there. Is there a way to connect there on there? There are some forums on there, but yeah, it is primarily a place to sell. Uh when I've made connections with people, it's primarily been in game jams that have forums where people can talk and collab. But again, you usually see collaborations more in video games. Uh and they don't really actively encourage collaborations because there's no revenue sharing there. Although people do bundles, I'm in one right now, the uh, small press fantasy bundle is a way for you to share 
uh, revenue from your game with someone else on their game. And you see a lot of creator bundles being in the news for charity that tend to happen on itch. So like the trans rights bundle that had like 200 games in it that Rue ran. Uh, and there was like a Black Lives Matter bundle that made, uh, that was in the news that had, I God, I don't even remember how many games were in that one. Uh, but yeah, when you see like game designers band together to sell hundreds of games for cause, it's usually on itch. <laughs> I think nowadays it might be, I, I know back in the day it was usually drive through. Uh, I actually got a lot of my people who got into my game. I got it from the very first charity bundle that drive through did years ago for Haiti. Uh, it was, you know, the, the save Haiti bundle or whatever. And I threw like my very first game in there and that like blew up. Cause like thousands of people contrib you know, bought that bundle. Uh, and it was like ridiculous, sold so many copies of my game. And then people were interested and, you know, wanted to know more about the stuff that I was doing. Like, I always suggest that if you have, you know, something, throw it in a charity bundle. Cause you never know who's going to, you know, contribute or, or you never know who's going to buy that bundle. Uh, you know, so from a from a purely marketing standpoint, it always helps to throw it in there. But also, you're also helping, you know, the cause. You know, it's a, with the Haiti thing. Like I was like, no, this is what I can do. I'll just put a game in. I guess this will work. Uh, but it just had the byproduct of just you know more people uh, getting exposed to a game that they probably would not have purchased otherwise. Yeah, I agree. And it it is kind of funny seeing which of your games become like more popular based solely on what bundles they've been in also drive through now i do, i know like you can still do bundles with other creators but they also do their own bundles so like they yeah. did a covid relief bundle and um they did an australian wildfire relief one uh there have been a few that they do and then if, if i could ask them so what about uh Wizards of the Coast, uh, obviously they have opened up to community content. What are your experiences with that? Like, hey, I'm a I'm a newbie freelancer. Should I steal myself towards Watsy? So that's where I got started. That's the DMs Guild. And I still publish on there. Um, not as prolifically as I used to because um, I'm doing more freelancing for major companies. But as a way to build community to get your stuff seen, to get noticed and make connections. I think DMs Guild is great. It's fairly easy to get stuff made. There are templates out there to make stuff that looks like professional D&D stuff, like Laura Hersbrenner's done one, and uh, Nathaniel, oh, I'm blanking, Rue has done several. So whether you wanna use Word or, um, Google Docs or Affinity or um, Photoshop. There are templates there that you can grab and uh, they have art packs that you can use. So you can make your stuff look pretty nice for no budget and use the wizard's IP. The only thing you need to be mindful of is that you are only making 50% of whatever you charge. And also that certain things are off the table. So like you can't use rick and morty content you can't use wild amount stuff like that so check the terms and services there because they they're strict and I, I guess my next thought of next question was gonna be what about uh 
cross-platform promotion, how reasonable or realistic is to say, I want to put this product of mine uh, or product of ours if we're on the team. Like, uh, I want to put it on Hitch. I want to put it on DriveThru and I want to put it on uh, GM's Guild because GM's Guild because I have made it a, a fifth edition D&D product. Like, how reasonable or legal is that? So if you publish on DM's Guild, you can only publish on DM's Guild. Uh, that is the, and most of the community content programs have similar licensing things. Like when you publish it there, you can only publish it there. However, you can publish something on itch and on drive-thru. There are two different ways to set up your publisher account. One is exclusive saying that like, I will only publish to drive-thru and then you get 70% of your profits. The other is non-exclusive, which is the one that I have, which is to say you only get 60% of your profits, but you also get the ability to publish other places, like say itch or your own website or Kickstarter or Backerkit or whatever you want to do. Right, but since the community content is basically through, drive-through, yeah, you're kind of saying, I'm only going to publish this It depends. Here. So like, if you're putting something on DMs Guild, you it's not necessarily on drive-thru, right? Like you can find it through the same site, but it's not, they have different rules for publication. DMs Guild is its own thing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so like that, that was a lot, <laughs> which is awesome. Um, that was a, that was a big tangent that actually. Was. Yeah. Sorry. That was fantastic. No, 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 it was cause, um, like the different platforms and stuff can absolutely be confusing. Um, and I am planning on doing a deep dive into those as well. Um, and, and I'm looking forward to being able to talk a lot more in depth on those. We kind of talked about the different types of pay. So, and kind of like a range between pay. So we're, we're going to kind of jump to uh, like, how much is too low? Because... Like, for someone who's just starting out, they might think, oh, this is a lot for me because I'm new and inexperienced and this will help get me the experience that I need. Um, so, like, what would you consider to be too low for a starting pay? Uh, one thing I want to say is a common thing that I see when people are starting out is devaluing their own work. And saying, yes. I'm new to this, so I shouldn't charge. Or I'm new to this, so I should charge significantly less than someone else. Just because you have less experience doesn't mean that your work has less value. And it doesn't mean it takes you less time to do than anyone else. If you are doing work, you should be getting paid for your work. And by not charging, you're lowering the standard of pay for literally everyone. That's my pay yourself. I would agree spiel. with that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I would kind I would agree too though that there is a difference between um, what you ask for versus what a company pays. You know, uh, I have worked for some companies where I'm used to getting paid way more, but I really want to write for that company, but they pay me you know, they pay less than what I what I would normally take or what I would normally negotiate for. Absolutely. But I'm like, eh, I'll just do it because I'm really, I kind of want to do this project. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I've been in that situation as well because sometimes they're like, look, this is what's in the budget. And that budget is usually 
poorly constructed again because all of us are gamers and we're not business people. Uh, so uh, a lot of the time they're budgeting in for low amounts of pay for writers, even though they really should just go ahead and budget in for higher pay. Uh, but when I was when I was the president of the IGDN, uh, the Indie Game Developers Network, um, which is you know essentially a you know trade organization for RPG writers and designers, uh, the big thing that we had was not necessarily like that we were you know fighting for you know unionization and all that stuff, but we definitely took a stand. Uh, for our members and all of that stuff. And we had lots and lots of conversations about it because at the time there were companies that were paying one cent uh, per word. And I remember at the time, like Onyx Path paid uh, like three, I think it was. Um, and that was considered really good pay. Uh, and, you know, by the time I was done being president, uh, like the standard, most people are paying at least five cents a word now. Uh, I won't take less than five, definitely not less than five. I usually expect a lot more. Um, but <laughs> like five, like I don't even respect a publisher if they offer a gig to anyone, newbie or veteran, for less than five cents uh, per word. Yeah, personally. especially when, and I think this is happening less now, when you hear about certain publishers offering people of different genders different rates, that tends to really... Uh, 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 upset me on a multitude of levels, but oh, I would. I've actually, literally never heard that. I have never heard this that's either. That's terrible. And I am getting enraged <laughs> just thinking about it. Seriously. <laughs> With me, uh, as far as how much is too low, uh, like like Aloy said, um, it's going to be based on like how much you really want to do this project. Um, I won't accept anything less than four or five cents a word. Um, I've gone all the way up to about 12, 16 cents a word, 16 cents a word, um, for certain projects. And so you really kind of have to figure out like, what is your passion for the project? And, um, don't lowball yourself because of, because it's your first project. I want to tag off of that and say that a lot of times, like Eloy said, a lot of publishers know that we want to write for these projects and I think a lot of the oh but you'll be writing for book is factored into the pay and I mm -hmm. sure wish that it weren't because I have taken four cents a word on projects I was really passionate about but my ask is 12 cents a word <laughs> and that right. really hurt my wallet oh yeah I mean, and, and what I will say is that opportunity to write for certain projects, that's a that's a huge deal. And uh, like, you know, I was offered uh, the ability to write up the Bali uh, for clan book for Vampire for V20. And uh, I didn't even ask how much it was because I was like, hell yeah, I want to write up the Bali because I want to see how many people I can piss off with this write up. And uh, so they could have made me nothing. I would have done it for free because because that's one of those like, like pet clans that everybody just oh, everybody hates every write-up uh so yeah like, that, was, <laughs> that was a really fun one for me i would have done it for free um but you know that passion that, don't tell them that well you know they already paid me now 
but that passion that you have when you go into a project like that. So when I wrote on the Firefly RPG, for instance, um, I wrote up my stuff and I was super excited because I was adding to the world and it was wonderful. And then like another writer dropped off and you know what they did? They said, you want his section too? And I said, hell yeah. You know, so like th that passion and, and really wanting to write the thing is a huge deal. Because I've, I've also written on projects that I was like, eh, you know, it's a paycheck. I'll write it, whatever. Uh, but those ones that I really love, like, you know, uh, I get a kick out of those. And, you know, I think the people who I'm writing for uh, can feel that. I also think that when, um, and this is going to, uh, I'm thinking of a thread that, James Hake did a while back on uh, freelancer rates where he mentioned, uh, I don't remember how much I agreed with the entire thing, but one that part that really stuck out to me was like, if you're paying somebody say 20 or 25 cents a word, like MCDM does, that project is getting your freelancers full attention. Right. If you are paying an established person five cents a word, you are getting five cents a word worth of their time mm -hmm. because they have to take on so many other projects. And that's kind of why I like the flat pay ones, the the flat pay ones. And, and you know, because it'll just be, hey, we need you to do this. This is how much we're offering, not per word, just like this lump sum money. Do you want it? You know, and that's an easy way you can just say, well, no, if it was a little bit higher, I would take it, you know. And you can, it's easier to negotiate with that. Per, per word is one of those weird things that like I always take the per word and, you know, multiply it by the word count that's being proposed. And I do, like I always do all of that stuff to get a lump sum anyway. And then I make a value whether what I need to write is worth the full amount that they're going to pay me. Because per word is so easy to get lost in. You know, some people will be like, well, you know, three cents, you know, five cents, seven cents, you know, it's just like, it, it sounds like, oh, it's only one cent, one, two cents off, but like, it freaking adds up depending upon the size of the project, you know. So, it sure does. So yeah, you, does. you don't want to get lost in the one cent, two cent fight there. Just do the math and just be like, this big number here now, is that worth the, the work that you're going to be doing? I also really appreciate when project leads, uh, if they are putting it as a per word thing, will say like, we're going to pay X amount per word for X number of words for a total amount of number. Yep. And then as long as you're within like a hundred words or a thousand words, depending on the size of the project, you get that amount. Right, because they don't want you to turn in something that's massively overcount, but they also don't want you to turn in something that is incredibly under. Because, you know, I've been a writing director. You don't want your writers padding their writing uh, Tell just me about to it. meet a quota. I have, I have literally redlined the hell out of people's stuff because I'll be like, you repeated yourself for five paragraphs. Uh, no, thank you. Um, and <laughs> you yeah. haven't you have another thousand words now to write for me because I will not accept these ones. Oh, so this actually I had a question on the tip of my tongue. I wanted to uh, bring it up at the right moment. So how I again, I am a newbie writer. Hello. You have offered me four cents a word. Give me more details on that. Is that going to be 
four cents on the words that I have submitted? Is that going to be four cents on the words that you're willing to publish? You obviously, you just mentioned, you know, uh, up to X amount. But let's say those, those, uh, that language is missing from the agreement. What should I expect when I accept a per word contract? And uh, what red flag should I look out for as well? So what I'll say Great is, question. good, very good question. Uh, if the if the contract says that they pay you for um, the words used in the book, no, like just say no. Uh, I've I've done those before where I've written many 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 words, uh, but then you know there was a change in the project and he only ended up using half of them, so they paid me for half. And I'm like, what about the other half? They're like, well. If we end up using them, then uh, then we'll pay you for that when it goes into the other book that maybe we, it might go into. And I'm like, no, no thank you. Like, no, just uh, I, and that's why in my scenario that I had given you was if somebody gives me a, uh, a draft, I'm going to pay them for what I accept from them. But there will be red lines and whatnot. So I will say I will not accept this please write more. Please, please strike this and write different words that I am willing to pay you for. Uh, but yes, you definitely yes. pay for what you turn in. Yeah, in my experience, it is typically, and it is not always spelled out exactly in contracts, so that's, I'm really glad you asked this question, but usually what is expected is that you uh, turn in your words, you get your edits, or in very rare cases, they just edit for you. I know some of the mid to larger houses will just do that. You submit your draft and then you might never hear from them again until you know publication and money shows up in your PayPal. But generally, at least in the experiences that I've had, you submit your words, your writing director or whoever you're working with comes back and is like, oh, we'd like these changes. Then you submit the new draft and then that person says, okay, you're good to invoice. Right. Whatever they do after that is on them. Mm -hmm. They might realize they need to cut whole paragraphs out of it to fit into layout. Funky things might happen during proofreading, but my part is done. Yeah. One of, one of the most annoying things to me is when they just edit it. Because usually if they don't even come back to me for red lines or anything like that, then I will get a copy of the book and... I will not recognize my sections, you know? Same. And it is... You're like, yeah. what is this? Same. I'll be like, <laughs> I didn't write this. Wait a minute. And it's so hard to put it in your portfolio because you don't want to show off something you didn't write. Yeah. And not even that it's bad, but it's just not what I wrote. You know what I mean? So it's just, yeah, exactly. I've had that happen a couple of times. You know, it, being self-published and writing my own stuff... Uh, and then going out and freelancing and having all of these experiences, what that does for me as a publisher too is it it teaches me what I don't want to do to my people, you know. So when <laughs> so when people come to me and write on my books, like I make sure that they have ample time to make sure that they write what they want to get out and that they're writing all the words, and I pay them up front, and you know I try to do all of these things. Um, I don't edit away their flavor and their words, and you know because otherwise. I didn't hire you so that I could just, you could just write words and then I take it and I just make it sound like me. Like I want your voice in there. Otherwise I'd hire a monkey to write. I, I was going to say, I model a lot of how I do my development process off of what you've shown me, Aloy, actually. 
and like how I approach talking to people. Well, th- this just kind of popped in my head listening to what uh, you all like had the um, oh yeah, samesies when Aloy mentioned you know they edit your work without running it by you and now you don't recognize your own words uh, and then just mentioned uh, your portfolio. So how acceptable or non-accepted or gauche is it to say in your portfolio, yes, this is what I submitted to company XYZ and what you saw published was, you know, edited without my knowledge or something like that. Like, is that something worth saying or is that just immediately you've put a red flag on yourself? I don't know. It's it's kind of an interesting question because for me, my portfolio rarely includes at like actual like page grabs of the book. I just say, hey, I wrote, you know. Um, so, uh, you know, if they really want to like dig into it, I could I could go line for line and tell you what I wrote and what was edited away. Uh, but you know, a lot of the time, just knowledge that your name is in the credit of a certain book. Uh, is enough to sometimes persuade people to give you a shot on another book. Uh, so, I mean, that's just kind of the kind of the appeal of it. That's why you kind of almost want to get onto some of those larger projects because then it's like, ooh, they were on, you know, this one. Ooh, maybe I want them in my mind. Yeah. You know, it's it's a thing. You know, that's I mean, for me, it, like again, like I wrote on Firefly. I would say Firefly is like the biggest you know, giant thing that I ever wrote on. Uh, and the only reason that I say that, because it wasn't necessarily bigger than other things, but that it was overseen by Fox. And by putting stuff into the game, we were literally shaping the Firefly universe. Like it went on to the wiki and had to be approved by legal and all that stuff. Like it was a big deal. You know, so like when I was writing the book and I submitted, I was just like, you know, we never talk about Zoe's family. So I'm going to write up a character who's Zoe's brother. And then I was just like crossing my fingers that, you know, it was going to come back and it ended up being her cousin. But like now officially she's got a cousin that I wrote up, you know, like that's. Oh, that's cool. That's pretty dope. That's a pretty dope feeling. Like that's awesome. You know, Fox approved her having a cousin, you know, so. (laughs) That's so Um, cool. Yeah. My my CV has um, the parts of the book that I wrote on. So, like, for instance, with Pip System, I wrote a lot of the archetypes and, and um, magic systems and stuff like that. So I have that listed on there. Um, for Chicago by Night, I did the Kindred History. I have that written on there. And I'll have, like, if I did development or editing for it, then that way they if, if somebody does want to see some of that stuff, they can kind of pick apart on their own. Um, but it's stuff that I know that this is what I wrote. So here you go. Yeah. It's so hard to like go back to what it was like when I was first starting to try and get gigs, you know, it's like, (laughs) it's like, I'm at this point, like, and I'm not gloating or anything, but I'm kind of like a known factor, like in the industry at this point that people will come to me and they'll be like, Hey, Lloyd, do you want to write on this? And I'll like half the time I'm like, actually, I don't have time. I'm sorry. You know, so it, it, it's it's so hard to go back to the beginning because I remember the hustle. Oh my gosh, 
the hustle of sending like tons of emails to all these open calls, just hoping that they were going to respond and not just instantly reject you. Oh man, it's, it's just terrible. Like that was one of the things that when I started my company, um, Third Eye Games, a big thing that I wanted to do was every new book that I was doing, I wanted at least one or two people who had never written before. Like I would take brand new writers and I would give them their shot. Cause I remember how hard it was to get that first shot. And uh, so, you know, it, and, and I've, I still try to stick to that. And, you know, Crystal, you're, you've been really good with the PIP system of bringing in, you know, brand new writers and stuff with that. And I try to do it <laughs> with some of the other game like, well, nowadays, I have such a great stable of writers that it's, it's hard for me to be like, no, I'm not going to give this gig to this writer that I've been working with for years and they write amazingly and now give it to a new person. Um, but I still try to, I still try to give it to new people here and there. <laughs> that was a big thing we wanted to do with uh, Uncaged Goddesses too. And I'm sorry, I'm not going to shut up about it, but it was the most recent thing I'm writing directed. <laughs> um, That's awesome. Keep, keep talking about it. It's yeah. <laughs> Uh, just because, uh, we specifically wanted, we had, I think 220, right. or 228 writing submissions and like 221 artist submissions for that or something wow. absurd. And so what we really wanted were, uh, people who had never written before for a TTRPG along with industry veterans and um with editors people who had edited like people who could you know pass an editing test right but maybe hadn't edited ttrpgs maybe they had done books along with industry veterans and with artists obviously it all came down to their portfolios but i know one thing that gwen and david the producers consciously did was take artists of varying levels in, a t in an attempt to, on their end, art direct to help mold or uh, tutor up and coming talent in the same way that I was doing uh, on the writing side. And because we had such a collaborative environment, right, you have people like Jesse Heinig, who helped create the first Fallout game and had worked at White Wolf yeah. forever, along with people who are like, oh, hey, this is my first thing I've ever written. I'm excited to be here. And like seeing their two different perspectives uh, on the same project and like the very different ideas they have, um, how they cool. shaped each other's designs. It was very cool. <laughs> uh, yeah, I like, like Aloy mentioned, with the PIP system primer, I try to um, get people who have never written mixed in with people who have written and want to write for the PIP system. Um, and in fact, some of our um, writers on the PIP system have gone on to write for some pretty big name um, games and even get nominated for Ennies this past year as well, which is really cool. 100%. I'm always hoping that anybody who, you know, works with me when they're small, I hope that they all surpass me. That's what I want. I want everybody to just jet past me. I, right? I'm like, how how far can you go? I want to see like what you can create and what's amazing. Um, because it can only stand to, to make our, the, this industry better. Exactly. I mean, and that's definitely something that I learned from doing, like I said, doing the class with um, Central Michigan University is I had a, you know, a, a classroom full of like, 
these game designers who all actually had pretty amazing games. They just needed that last little push, that last little bit of confidence uh, that I was able to give them by kind of just giving them a rundown, like, this is how you design a game. Uh, and obviously, from my perspective, there's a billion different ways to design a game. Uh, but like, just to see how many of them already had pretty like great ideas and they just needed like a little nudge or a little piece of inspiration that you know hopefully i was able to give each and every one uh you know they all went they all left the class very happy so i'm hoping to play some of their games they were really right that would be awesome i can't wait to see the the results of that oh i was just gonna say uh having tutored a lot of new uh upcoming designers at this point i think the hardest thing for a lot of up-and-coming designers uh not freelancing but making their own project is just getting something on the page and for yeah. that just just get it get it on the page because nobody else can play it if it lives in your head 100 percent. oh my gosh that's a big deal for me i will i will write a trash system and then go back and like fiddle with it until it's not trash anymore. Uh, but if you dev, if you don't write that, oh, that's of the it, part I need to do. Yes, <laughs> just write it and. Oh, I write the trash part and just release it into the world. Well, I mean that's also an option. <laughs> I don't think that's the strategy I would, go with, but it, you can do that. I've seen many games do that. Okay, so we've kind of talked about different pay. We went off on tangents, which is awesome. I love this um, conversation that we're having. Um, one of the things that I wanted to talk about was uh, with negotiation and pay. Like, I, and, and that can kind of t tie back to, to contracts. But I feel like negotiating pay is something that people shy away from. Because um, my personal experience in my teaching career has been anytime that I've asked about pay, I have never been offered the job. Anytime I don't ask about pay, I usually get offered that job. Mm. So. Oh, that's it, fascinating. I know, right? Um, <laughs> and so, so I have almost come, like mentally turned to you never negotiate pay. You never negotiate pay. And I feel like there's this it, this mentality of flipping that on its head, and I am fully in support of it, but how do you even go about doing that? Um, I know I have actually had, I, I've never talked with you about this, Aloy, but I've had people negotiate pay for um, PIP system. Mm -hmm. um, and so, um, and, and specifically it was for SIFWA, which is the Science Fiction and Fantasy writers association um where they actually have an industry minimum and i did not realize that mm -hmm. um when i offered them that position <laughs> or that you know offered them a, a job for writing uh for pip um and i believe it's like 15 cents a word it was it was pretty high well and and, and, and of course the way that we um the way that we work with the pip system nowadays is i let crystal mostly run the show and she tells me <laughs> how much money to send to people. So like, I trust her to do the negotiation for me. Uh, and you know, if it, I'll just send whatever you tell me. And, and, and that's worked pretty well. So um, far, so far. Uh, <laughs> so far. Un unfortunately, we weren't able to come to a consensus, but we, we parted on actually good terms. Yeah. Because I said, because the PIP system is small, 
my budget's a little bit smaller. However, um, they're on my radar for larger PIP system games and not just the primer. There you um, go. So, yeah. So, so we were still able to have a, a I'm going to say peaceful, but that's not quite exactly how it is. But we walked away both from that experience um, without any negative feelings towards each other. In fact, they're a person that I actually respect. Um, I love the work that they have written on. I still continue to support them and write and, and everything like that. So, like, and that was a new experience for me as a developer, because usually you put your stuff out there and you make the offer and people just accept it, but there is no negotiation. So, um, has anybody ever had negotiation experience with pay and how did you start that or any tips that you might have? I negotiate all the time. It rarely works out. <laughs> uh, um, because the issue is that so many of the publishing companies set their budgets way before they go to hire freelancers. Uh, they, they make their whole budget for the book. And, uh, but a lot of times what they offer is, you know, less than that to which I am accustomed to being paid. <laughs> However, there are a couple of companies or projects that I really like, or I really like the people who are running them, and I really want to work on it. So if they're like, hey, uh, we're going to pay you, I don't know, like five cents a word or something. It's usually my response is, wow, I'm so flattered to be, you know, asked to be on this project. I'm very excited about it. If I am, I'm not going to lie if I don't care. Um, but, you know, my typical asking rate is 12. Can we meet somewhere in the middle? And sometimes they come back and are like, yeah, why don't we do six? Uh, rarer, they're like, why don't we do seven? Most of the time they're like, unfortunately, our budget is for five. Although uh, a couple companies will add the caveat of like, this is five, but once you're in with the company, you know, I can put it in your contract that on your next project with us, you'll be getting six or something like that. So in that way, negotiation has paid off, but never once has anyone been like, oh yeah, we'll definitely pay you 12 when we initially offered five. <laughs> but they've also never told me to just like go away forever. Yeah, yeah. And, and honestly, for me, uh, it's it's a matter of how much time is negotiation going to end up taking. Because it, it, uh, if it's a project that I'm really excited for and they kind of lowball me, then I might say, well, could you could you sweeten the pot a little bit? And then if they don't, then okay, cool. I mean, I'm like, whatever. But, you know, <laughs> if they're lowballing me and it's a project I don't care about, I go, you know what? I just really don't have the time to take on more projects. Uh, but, you know, thank you so much for the offer. Uh, but, you know, what I find a lot is the longer you're in it, the more comfortable you are with talking pay. And I mean, you should never – I feel like if, if the publisher is scared to talk pay, because that, that, I've had that happen before too, where they're like, well, you know, I mean, pay is kind of – yeah, it's like, all right, spit it out. Like how much is it going to be? Like we're 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 all adults here. Like let's just figure out how much this is gonna do, and then if I'm gonna take it or not. 
Uh, so, I mean, a lot of... If a publisher is uncomfortable to talk pay, that makes me nervous that they will not pay me. Yes, exactly. Yep, exactly. Exactly. But also, like, I always encourage, like, most of the jobs that I take nowadays is, hey, Aloy, we would love for you to come and write on this, this project, we're paying this much, which would mean that you're going to end up getting this much, or hey, we're paying a flat fee, is that cool? You know, like, it's like the amount that you're getting paid is always part of the pitch nowadays. Uh, for me. And I think it's, again, I think it's just because I'm kind of a known entity. And I think people realize that, you know, I, I honestly, I don't have the time to like, all right, well, I guess it sounds good. How much do you pay? Like, if I have to ask you, like, if you didn't tell me up front, like, come on now, like, well, what are we here? Are we, are we children on the playground? We're trying to, you know, hide, hide and go seek with the, with the money here. Like, come on, like, it's a business. <laughs> yeah, that is probably the most common thing that I respond to people is when they reach out and are like, hey, we're hiring for a project and we want to hire you. Are you interested? Maybe they'll tell me one sentence about it. And my response is always, it depends on the deadline, the scope and the paper word. Yeah. Those like the yeah. project sounds interesting, but I can't say yes or no until I know the important details. Exactly. And those are the important details. And, and I have written those emails back as well. Well, I need to know deadlines and, you know, when, <laughs> when you need it by and how, the, how big is the project and how much you're going to pay. And uh, if those three like, things... Am I writing a thousand words? <laughs> those three things. Those are the three things that you need, right? Like it's, when is it due? How big is it? How much are you paying? Done. Like if you can't tell those things up front, then yeah, then maybe you shouldn't be hiring right now. Maybe you need to work those things out and then start reaching out. 100%. So, so James, did, did did you have any questions or comments about about negotiations? No, I think uh, the uh, I was going to say, hey, any red flags we should look at, but they came up very quickly, and I I distinctly heard the tone <laughs> of voice of experience there. So. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. Also, the problem yeah. with this have those burns fully healed yet? <laughs> some, some of them, some of them. Uh, honestly, though, the problem with it as well is sometimes it is experience and sometimes a company might present themselves uh, or not even a company, a person that you and it is trying to hire you, whether it be a developer or the publisher, you know, you know, that sort of thing. They might put on a front and seem like they're going to treat you good. Uh, and then, you know, in the end, they don't. I mean, and that's kind of just something. Yeah earn along the way um i've been burned uh in the in this industry and i'm not going to name names or anything but then i just know not to work with those people and if any of my friends people who i consider friends bring up these people then i make sure to warn them uh, because that is one thing about the gaming industry is it's not as big as you might think it is uh, so we all kind of know each other. We all kind of talk. Just saying. I come from the opera world, and TTRPG is even smaller than that, which I thought was like the smallest mm. pool. But games, it's so small. So small. And word gets around. Exactly. So this is the question I was alluding to, Crystal, if I could jump in on this. Yeah, go right ahead. Um, and I'm going to speak slowly in case it needs editing. Um, <laughs> in my experience from the outside and even 
prior to getting involved in the industry. There were these horror stories from companies now that don't exist. First one that comes to mind is Guardians of Order. I know uh, crashed and burned owing a lot of people a lot of money. And then you've got issues with people like Zach S. That was kind of an open secret for a while. We have the uh, situation with Jameson Stone and Satine Phoenix right now. And then there's a lot of veterans in the industry who have who are showing new colors with TSR debacles. You say it's not that big of an industry, but again, hi, let's present myself as the rookie here. How do I find out if I've accepted a deal with a rotten apple? Like, is there a freelance writer's Discord or Facebook group or something of that sort? I know there's websites like the uh, Not Another Dime for Ken Whitmore, but that's one spot and that's one person. Yeah. There is a DMs Guild Creators Discord. There's also a Drive Through RPG Publishers Discord. Um, they're both very busy and have a lot of people going in there. I personally get overwhelmed in both of them because there's just so many people, but those are a good place to make connections. I, I know the DMs Guild one has an industry politics chatter, uh, a, a thread, uh, chatter. What the hell, Joss? Um, <laughs> where people do discuss those issues and kind of look out for one another. I don't know if the drive through one has something similar, but there are resources like that. I know the Storytelling Collective also has a Discord and uh, similar things, but it is really hard for yep. new people who don't know. Because it's one thing if, like, I mean, I'm newer to the industry than Aloy or Crystal by far. I've been, only been here for since 2018. That's what, four years? Yeah. Is that how time works? Four years? Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so there are some people that like I might work with that both of you are like, oh, no, 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 no. Uh, but I would have no idea. Yeah. And I know yeah. some of those people for someone who is brand new. But if we're not communicating, we have no way. And I know there have been attempts where someone on Twitter is like, I will make a list of bad actors. But it's so way to manipulate. Right, because those lists are so easy to manipulate. And it's so easy for people who do intend harm to put, you know, their victims on that kind of list. I honestly have been offended that I have not been on more woke lists. Uh, just, just because, like, every time... I know. These are a bunch of woke... You haven't received... And I'm like, wait, where's You haven't received your medal for personally ruining tabletop games Seriously, I think I have contributed (laughs) to the downfall of tabletop just as much as those other companies. Right. I literally put on my press kit that I have single-handedly ruined multiple licensed products and am available to ruin yours. And people's (laughs) childhoods is, is how I think about it. Um, I, I was going to say, my advice is is that um, when you are working on a project, make sure that you're communicating with the other freelancers, um, because I feel like the, the more that, that freelancers communicate with each other, 
the more things will come out sooner or, or problems can be talked about and hopefully addressed in a, in a positive way. Um, but like, I, I generally will not talk about like personal opinions of, um, companies and stuff like that in public. If someone comes up to me and says, hey, I've been approached by this company or this person to write on this project, do you know anything about them? I'll share anything that I, you know, like if I've had conversations with them, if I've written for them um, or anything like that. And um, because there are people that I may not get along with that they they might and they, they might not just not, not, not be a problematic person. It's just personality doesn't work together. Um, if, if somebody comes up to me and is like, Hey, Zach asked us me to wrote on something. I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have things. Get out things. while you can. <laughs> yeah. I, we, we have to have a very serious discussion then of, of some things, you know? So, so there, you know, it is extremely subjective, but it's also, you have to know where to find information. And that is the toughest part. Um, so make, um, so, so I was going to say that, you know, making connections with each other and building your own network of people to reach out to for help or advice or anything like that is really important. I just want to tag in on that really quick uh, in that um, also when you're on a project, the more open communication your team has, generally the more cohesive the project is. Yes. And a lot of freelance projects silos their creative teams. They're like, well, here, you're going to write the adventure and you're going to write the monsters and you're going to write the subclasses and you're going to do this art and you'll do that art. And nobody knows what anybody else is working on. And then when the producer comes to put it all together, shockingly, it's disjointed. Mm -hmm. If your team can have a lot of internal communication, uh, they, like uh, Crystal said, they can see when things are wrong, like ethically, but also your, your product is just better and cohesive. Yeah. Uh, what I was going to say is that um, one thing that my wife taught me is how to uh, social media stalk people. So it like pretty much immediately, like even just before coming on to this recording uh, with you guys, I looked you two up and I'm like, okay, who are the people who I'm about to go talk to? <laughs> are there crazy things happening? And you still wanted people? to talk with me? Really? Yes. So, yes. And you discovered how obnoxious <laughs> we really were. Well, and really, it's not its not necessarily to, to weed out obnoxious people, because then I would never talk on any podcasts. Uh, but it's more to uh, make sure that I'm not jumping into, uh, you know, well, Aloy was on a conversation with that person who, you know, got called out for this, that, or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Um, but I mean, I honestly, I, I feel like, you know, anytime you're trying to apply for a job, the person who's in, in, in any job, not just in RPGs, but any job, they're going to check your social media and see what you're putting on yep. there. Uh, and I don't think that it should be different for the person trying to get the job either. So I'm, I'm not going to apply for a job until I have looked into that company to know if that's even a place I want to work, you know? So, uh, I feel like, you know, 
there has to be a little bit of social media and internet stalking uh, just because that's just how it works nowadays. So many things solved by like Googling name followed by the word scandal. Hell yeah. Or name oh, gosh, followed yeah. by the word me too. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. So James, did you have any other follow-up questions with that? Uh, no, that was, that was a big one. Um, just because I've, I've been on the peripheral of that happening, obviously crystal, you and I have been speaking to what happened with you, but like for me as a, uh, just as a hobbyist, I remember coming to Gen Con one year. I mean, I think it's safe to talk about Guardians of Order because they haven't been a thing for ages. I remember showing up to Gen Con one year and they just weren't there. And I remember going to a few writers that I knew work with them and, you know, I could see the strain on their face to keep from grinding their teeth as they explained how uh, they were still owed money by Guardians of Order. So, Well, and their owner is kind of back now and made a lot of money with that anime Kickstarter. So I, I have concerns for the, the fact that a lot of people don't remember what happened with Guardians of Order. Mm-hmm. Oh, anime 5e was him? I didn't know that. Yep. Oh my gosh. Okay. Very briefly, we kind of talked about like, don't, don't work for free, don't pay an exposure, but I have done work for like trade. So like, I am not good at layout. Like layout is like <laughs> the last thing I ever want to do on a project. I will edit. I will do, I will do art before I do at a layout. <laughs> um, and so, like, I have done for community content trade where I will do editing or something on someone else's work and they'll do layout for me. What are your thoughts on that? Because I know, like, a lot of people have very different thoughts on that. But it is a form of pay, technically, um, because it's, it's a trade. But some people don't like doing that. So what are your thoughts on that? I don't personally mind bartering. Uh, I've done it a couple of times, but it's not my go-to. Uh, I am very happy to pay people for, <laughs> for the things that they do. Um, you know, I think bartering really comes down to when you, you know, when money is a concern. Uh, you know, for me, it's, it's, I am, I expect to be paid for the stuff that I do. So I like to pay people for the things that they do. Now, if they are like, well, you don't have to pay me and you can do layout for me instead. Okay. Well, I mean, but then it's kind of what we talked about before. Well, what's the scope of the project and what's the deadline? Because if, <laughs> if it doesn't really fit, then I'll just give you some money. Uh, and then you can use that to go hire somebody else. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's just my thought on it. Um, I don't mind doing it. I've done it a couple of times, but you know, nothing like cold hard cash. I think it's a great way if you're first starting out to get access to the things that you need that you can't do and also make connections with people who can do those things. Uh, unfortunately, writing is not something that a lot of artists and layout people are looking for. However, if you do make friends with, you know, another writer, talk to them and you can edit each other's stuff 
right? Uh, you might not be as skilled as an actual editor, but any eyes on your work besides yours by someone who knows your game, knows the mechanics you're doing, are going to be helpful. So if you are just starting out, you don't have a budget, you don't have any money, grab somebody else in the industry and be like, hey, I, I know Photoshop. I would love to lay out your game. Can you edit mine? Or something to that effect. Like I've had plenty of friends who we edited each other's games and just gave each other like special thanks in <laughs> uh, the each other's stuff, you know? And that's how we made our no budget games. The, the key word there for me, again, uh, I'm the noob, is like, oh, these were friends. You already had built this established trust and relationship. This is not well-established company coming to you and saying, hey, want to work for exposure? No, no, yeah. no. This These were people that I had worked with on previous projects. And then it was like, hey, I'm doing a new thing. I would love for you to help me on it, and I could help you on your project. Definitely not a company. Yeah. And, and yeah, anybody who tells you that they're going to pay you an exposure, I, I think that's a pretty well, well-worn app. <laughs> yeah. People know you don't take that gig. Uh, again, like I feel bad. I've had people who are like, I love your game. I'll, I'll write up stuff for free. And I'll be like, no, you won't. I will pay you for yep. right. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like, no, you will not work for free because again, I expect to get paid for my stuff. I'm to try to take advantage of somebody else yeah exactly and i've had people come up and and say like oh like i'll write for pip system you don't have to worry about paying me i'm like no 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 no. that no 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 that's not gonna work you're gonna get money um and we can talk about that when now we get with there, the pip but... system it's a little bit different <laughs> right because if they want to write something for pip but they don't want us to pay them then they can write it for the community content uh, so it's like, oh yeah, absolutely. They can always go that route. It just won't be in an official pit book. It'll be part of the community. Yeah. Um, so at least with that system, there's an outlet there for those people who want to do it for free. But I get a lot of people who are really like, like jazzed about AMP and they're like, oh, I came up with this really cool power. And you know, if I'm in the market for some powers, I'll say, send it over and I'll pay you for it. You know, it's like, you know, it's, nice. okay, this yeah. is an interesting thing because a lot of the biggest question when it comes to freelancing is like, how do you even get the gig? And for me, as, as a, as a, you know, as a publisher, a lot of the time it just requires that you showed some interest and then, I'll, and if I'll give you a shot, like I've had a bunch of people just be like, man, I really love your game. And I kind of came up with this cool thing that I wrote up and I'll look at it and be like, cool yeah that looks pretty good you want to come right on the next book yeah you know let's just i'll give it a shot i don't care if you look at the publishers uh so many of them have a thing on there under the job site or the about us site that says like you know most of them aren't hiring right now but if you have something you want to submit they tell you how to go about doing that yeah right some of them are more lengthy than others some of them tell you exactly what to submit like 500 words mm -hmm. on whatever but others are just like hey shoot us an email with what you want to write and your portfolio or something that you think is cool yeah see i'm off the radar like <laughs> i have to either be lurking in a forum somewhere or like i just have to see a social media post or something uh and yeah because i don't have anything like that on my site i'm never hiring officially but i'm also always hiring this is where I again bang my know your worth and get paid for your work drum. 
Exactly. So if you're approaching these people and say, I love your game, I want to write for it for free, just just stop after the I love your game, I want to write for it. 100%. 100%. Because there are publishers out there that will let you. Don't do that to yourself. <laughs> I don't let people write stuff yep. for me for free, but like some people be like, sure, you can totally come write for free. Yeah, don't 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 fall into that trap. Well, there are even Kickstarters where it's like, if you pay this amount, you get to write a thing for us. And I'm like, why would you pay? Why why are you paying to write? That's backwards. Yeah, I don't understand that either. I, I let me see. I think I've done that in a couple of things. I've done that in a Kickstarter before, but it was less that you would write a thing. It was that you could come up with an idea and then we would we would write it into the game, but it would be your idea that would be part of the world then at that point. And that can be good. Yeah, I'm not going to make somebody pay to actually write the thing. <laughs> that, that's kind of crazy. Speaking again from myself, in my perspective, if I... We, we brought it up earlier, actually. I can't remember which of you three brought it up, but if I'm getting paid a decent amount, I have the motivation to finish it. And if I'm slacking, that can be held against me. If I'm an unpaid, I will do this for free. Where's the, where's the motivation other than oh, this is very cool? Where's the experience? Where's the the checks and balances? If there are writers that I really like, sometimes I'll prepay them. Be like, hey, like I really want you invested in this, so here's all your money up front because I know you're good for it. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, and I don't mind doing that. I do that for some of my established writers. They'll be like, you know, Hey, you know, do you have a project coming up? And I'll be like, no, but I got a, I got a few extra hundred dollars. I'm going to throw this at you so that you're ready for the next project. <laughs> and I just, again, I, I keep good, I keep good books. Yeah. So not, again, not everybody has gone, is a good accountant, a good bookkeeper. Um, I've gotten much, much better along the way. So I can keep track of that sort of thing. So then I'll be like, hey, I, I did, you know, hey, it's time to write that thing. Uh, I'm going to add on some more words here. I'm going to pay you more, but I'm going to knock off the amount that I gave you earlier. Uh, and, you know, sometimes that's that's good motivation to stick with a company is that they'll, they'll be like, they'll give me money and I haven't even written anything yet. That's pretty cool. I don't do it. But, you know, the I freelancer equivalent of a retainer. It's kind of like a retainer, yeah. But I, but I literally, I just do it out of the blue sometimes. All right, so we're we're kind of coming up to the end, and there's one other thing that I wanted to talk about because it is also something that uh, this has been an ongoing discussion for many many years, led by a lot of industry professionals and organizations such as the IGDN. Um, but it's how can we make the pay better because. We've we've kind of mentioned it briefly, but the the RPG industry pays really really little compared to other industries. Like other writing industries, we don't even really come close to what they're paying currently. Mm -hmm. um, so, is there stuff? Is there things that we can do as freelancers or seek out or? Um, organizations that are kind of helping to drive this that we can support. Um, so what are your thoughts and feelings on this? One thing that I think has helped is, and we've seen this on DMs Guild, we've seen it, I think, a little bit on Drive-Thru, we've seen it a lot on Itch, is creators raising their prices. 
And this is less from a freelancing side, but this is like the standard price for like an anthology or uh, a, you know, two to 300 page book on DMs Guild like five years ago was, I think, $12. The original Uncaged anthologies were like 14 or 15. Now standard price for an anthology or that size book is about $20. And that's such a fantastic shift in terms of getting people yeah. paid what they're worth. In terms of paying freelancers, I know a lot of people, myself included, have been very vocal on Twitter, pushing for 10 cents a word being an industry standard. I know there's a lot of pushback to that from companies, but I think MCDM and uh, companies of that size being very vocal about like, hey, forget 10 cents a word, we pay 25 cents a word hopefully will encourage other companies to pay something more equitable. And I, I have never written for Paizo, but I know that their unionization uh, ha will have ramifications throughout the industry. Yeah. What I'll add to that too is... Unionization, not unification. Yes. You know what I mean. I, I did. I knew what you meant. Um, I, I feel like the... Um, the raising of the price of the items is super duper important, but I also feel like it's also, this is something that I pushed a lot again when I was um, in the IGDN was, you know, publishers holding other publishers accountable uh, for that sort of thing. And like, you know, again, nowadays I'll clown somebody if they're trying to offer me two cents a word, three cents a word, I'll be like, <laughs> no, thank you. Uh, but, um, but I think the raising of the prices is the big thing. Like in the video game industry, it's weird, right? Video games versus tabletop stuff. It, 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 the, the consumer's mind is also like, this is how much something should cost. And we all get really mad at like how expensive textbooks are, for instance. Um, but literally those are super expensive to make. Like what we're making in the game industry are literally giant textbooks for games. Uh, so like really we should be charging close to $100, $150 for these giant hundreds of page tomes that we're writing with full color art and hardcover and glossy pages and all that. It should probably cost way more than we are charging. But the way that the industry is, is prices have kind of stayed around the same. And the reason I was bringing up video games is Video games figured it out, and that's where um, microtransactions came from. Because literally, video games should not cost $60 anymore. They cost $60 10 years ago. They cost $60 in the 80s. <laughs> so, like, there's zero reason why a game should cost $60. And games are more expensive to make, but they're staying the same price, and people get mad that they're trying to make more money with microtransactions. We basically just need to figure out the formula for tabletop RPGs, because uh, right now <laughs> we don't we don't have one. It's it's just right now it's like we put a, a bunch of work into our games, and then we if we charge too much, people won't buy it. If you charge too little, you're not making enough to really even make the next thing. And it's always a balancing act. I, I'm looking at this now on the retailer end because I was in the industry when board games were $20, $30. And I distinctly remember when Agricola came out, first edition Agricola, and the $60 board game. 
who in their right mind is going to pay a six, $60 for a board game? And Laughs in lo and behold, right? exactly. Um, and so I'm wondering, are we starting to see that turn, though? Because people will talk about the D&D PHB is a small book and it's 50 bucks. And now we've got independent things like Hard West, I think MSRPs for $85, and it is a meaty, meaty boy. And Coyote and Crow is uh, MSRPs for 70 And these are two of like the indie's hotness right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so with the success of these two, do you think we're possibly seeing that as uh, that, that Agricola moment, possibly? I think so. I've already started charging more for my products too, uh, just because I'm seeing that that's a way to kind of help shift everything to, you know, everything being a little bit more equitable and people being able to make the amount of money that it actually requires to make these games the way that people want them. You know, like if people still want to pay, you know, $40 for a core book, well, then it's not going to be full color. It's not going to have a hardcover. I'm not going to spend that much on art. You know, like, <laughs> you know it's going to be, it's not going to be 500 pages. It'll be like 150. You know, it's just like you get what you pay for. And that's the problem is right now you, they are getting way more. And I say they as in like I don't buy a ton of games too. Um, the, the consumer in the gaming industry is getting way more bang for their buck uh, than in other industries. And I think that that's what it is. If Then I think they realize. Ooh, yeah, I think they realize it. And, then, and that's why we need to charge yeah. more bucks. One thing that I hope we can see moving forward is especially uh, with more games moving to online only and the use of virtual tabletops is consumers being more willing to pay for PDF only books and pay higher rates for them Mm. as well. Because I know some it's it's funny, it seems like with in indie stuff, like uh, they're like, oh yeah, of course I'll pay, you know, top dollar for a PDF only project because that's what you expect from an indie publisher. But I know some medium sized companies that I've written for were doing PDF only releases. And a lot of the fans pushed back really hard because they were like, why do I need to pay for something that should be free? You're not shipping anything to my house. So this didn't cost anything to make. You know, kind of forgetting that we still had to write the book and artists still had to art the book and layout still had to lay out the book and editors still had to edit the book. It's not just, you know, PDFs don't appear out of thin air. And I think getting uh, consumers more accustomed to PDF-only stuff, virtual tabletop uh, tied-in stuff is going to also help with that, especially with the cost of paper and cardboard and shipping being so high right now. I just want to point out that I love the phrase artists still have to art the book. Because I I like it because like every... Thank you for accepting my broken English. No, no, I like it because honestly, all the other, all the other errs, if you take the er off, that is what they do. Writers write, editors edit, you know, all this stuff. But it was like artists... I guess they art. Yeah, it, I found it very funny. I apologize uh, for for curtailing that. Um, yes, I'm sorry, but yes, I agree with you wholeheartedly. 
what I usually do when I'm selling my book is I usually sell the PDF for half of the cost of the physical book. Uh, so if it's a more expensive book, it's a more expensive PDF. And for me, that's a big deal because what I see when someone buys for me is they are buying the game. So essentially they are buying the PDF and then if they want to pay extra, then they can get a physical copy of it is the way that my brain thinks about it. So it, you know, it's, it's almost less that I'm charging half of the physical book uh, for the PDF and more that I'm charging double the PDF for, for a physical book. People are always complaining about how like companies don't give away free PDFs with the purchase of a book or, and I'm like, you do realize that the PDFs still cost money and that there, there's actually like a different way to lay it out than when you're doing a print run. So there's a lot more that goes into the book and the PDF than, than you're thinking. Oh my gosh. And as someone who has, as someone who has PDFs that have not been properly optimized as well. Yeah, oh my God. Thing. All right. I flipped the page. Now we've got to wait 30 seconds for the page to load. <laughs> yeah, and with PDFs, you want it to be screen reader friendly too for your yeah. blind players. So yep. there's a lot that goes into making a PDF that does not go into making a, a physical book. Mm -hmm. All right, so we are going to wrap up our conversation. Um, no, and so oh. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, what I would like to do is to have everyone either. Um, go around and just share some advice specifically about pay or even just in general um, for freelancing and then or a takeaway um, or something that you feel is really, really important um, from this discussion that we had, because I know there's a lot here um, and just something or something you want to highlight. I mean, honestly, I think the biggest thing that was said here for me is the, uh, since this is obviously the freelancer pay and negotiations, uh, uh, if the publisher isn't upfront about how much the project pays, then that is a red flag. Uh, definitely, I wouldn't say don't take the gig, but be wary because if they're uncomfortable talking about money, that might mean that they don't have money to give you. Uh, so, um, cause I'm very upfront. I, I'm like, you know, as a freelancer, I'm like, Hey, how much are you paying me? Oh, this is how much cool. Uh, and as a publisher, I say, would you like to write for this project? We pay this much done because it just, if you're just upfront, it just alleviates everybody's stress about talking money anyway. So, uh, just, you know, money's part of the gig. Just be normal about it. Oh my God. I had a thought and that it completely left. Wow. ADHD is fun. Uh, <laughs> oh, I hate when that happens. Oh, uh, you know what? I'm going to say something that didn't come up. And that is when you first start out in freelancing, a lot of times you say yes to literally everything. And that is a really, really fast way to burn out. So uh, while my first thing was going to say, know your worth and never do anything for free. Yes, always that. But also know your time limitations yeah. because there's going to be yeah. more work. There's going to be more work. Time also has value. Yes. 
I've I've uh, uh, and what I taken was, every project is a fast way to burn out. I, I have only recently learned that. So I, I am one of those people who I'm always working on a billion things at once and I'm taking every job that somebody throws at me. Um, I've learned to say no and it is a gradual process. I'm still working on that one. I, I have not learned from any of my lessons and I continue to punish myself and that's okay because um, it's just me doing it to me. <laughs> hey it's tough when so many people are making so many cool things and you're like yeah, i, I want to be involved in the cool thing i don't need to sleep <laughs> i could take vacation from work right that's fine all right and then james uh never forget that exposure is something you either die of or get arrested for <laughs> yes i like it um and i think my my biggest Thing would be to build up your your safety net, build up your so, your networking um, with other freelancers um, to give yourself a safety net and people to lean on because um, that's going to come up and, and you're going to need people to, to help you get through hard times and get through slumps and stuff like that. Um, so, you know, connect with people. That's really important. And up your cyber stalking game. Yeah. Yeah. Make sure to check out people on social media. Um, all right. So speaking of social media, everyone, please share your social medias and um, and then we will have links to everybody in our show notes. Um, so who would like to go first? I'll go first. I've been going first. So uh, and I have the loudest mouth, so it makes more sense for me to go first. Um. You can hit me up. I'm at Third Eye Games uh, pretty much everywhere, at Third Eye Games uh, on Facebook and Twitter and all of the things. Uh, but definitely what I would say is after you've gone to thirdeyegames.net and checked out all of the amazing games that we have there, definitely hit the link that's going to be um, you know below here for the uh, Central Michigan University RPG design courses, the applied game design courses, uh, because I'm doing a bunch of them. We also have um, Damon Stone, who's a, a brilliant board game designer who's going to come on and do um, a course. And uh, also, um, trying to remember, Lamaro Smith, who's a great uh, artist, and he's going to be talking about um, visual storytelling and how game art and branding and design and all that stuff. Like, there's a lot of really cool courses that you can take uh, doing this. And this is kind of the first of its kind. Uh, in the cooperation with Gen Con and uh, CMU. So uh, definitely come out and support us. You know, we're trying, you know, trying to give back to, you know, the, the industry and really trying to bring up those, those that next level of um, game designers who just need that a little extra push to put out their amazing games. Awesome. All right, Jess? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Miss underscore Jess 03. You can find the stuff that I've written or get in touch with me on my website, jessicamarkramwrites.com. That's also linked on my Twitter. And you can come watch me stream every Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern on my Twitch, uh, which is twitch.tv slash angrynerdgirl. All right, and James? Okay, well, like I was saying, I work at Noble Knight Games in Fitchburg, uh, largest selection of games in the world. I challenge anyone to try and uh, prove me wrong there. Uh, so it's noblenight.com, and we're on Facebook, 
Instagram, Twitter, all those plots. And uh, I, I just joined the Twitch uh, Legion as well. I'm uh, part of an every other Saturday game with the uh, Madison area D&D players. So that's twitch.tv slash Border Kingdoms Adventures. And uh, I have no idea of any of the backstory of Taldori, but that's okay. The character I'm playing is equally clueless. So shenanigans happen. Lots of times. <laughs> awesome. All right. And you can find my social media at thegeekypanda.com. You can also find me on all social media at Body and Soul 152 or at the Geeky Panda. Um, and let's see here. For Darker Days Radio, I want to thank Darker Days Radio for hosting our podcast series. Um, you can find us on, um, you can email us um, at darkerdaysradio at gmail.com. If you have any questions, please email there. Um, you can also find us on Facebook at um, Darker Days Radio, um, on all other social medias at, at Darker Days Radio, or you can join our Discord. We do actually have a channel now for our writing, um, our RPG mentorship. Um, where you can ask questions there. We've already had some really interesting um, conversations and um, have people asking questions. And I love answering and helping people figure out this industry. Um, so please uh, reach out to us if you have any questions. I want to thank all of my guests for coming on and being awesome. Um, and yeah, uh, I look forward to doing more episodes later on. Goodbye.